Hello, and welcome to the Bayesian Conspiracy. I'm Steven Zuber. Oh, uh, I'm Ignash Brodsky. It's so I'm just sticky. Having, it's so weird not having this in the room so we can look at the person who talks next. Yes, we are having a yeah, fun usually... new style of doing this. Well, not new. This is a probably a temporary thing. But we also have two guests with us today. Matt, why don't you go first to avoid confusion? Hi, I'm Matt Freeman, and I am here to uh, argue. <laughs> He's back. Uh, and I'm Wes Fenza. I am also here to argue. All Perfect. Right. This sounds like fun. And the fun format of what's going on here is we're all recording from five different locations across the globe. Um, mostly across, <laughs> I don't know, 60 miles or so. But anyway. But uh, Wes is all the way on the East Coast somewhere, right? That's correct. South that Jersey. is a measurable fraction. Cool. South Jersey. Is it as bad as everyone says? No, it's wonderful. No, he's oh, in a okay. like, weird little paradise oasis. This all huh. sounds sarcastic. I'm bad at picking up sarcasm. No, that was, like, I actually, like, the one little section where West lives of New Jersey. Yeah, I mean, it's basically East Philadelphia. Yeah. And well, as we know, it's always sunny in Philadelphia, so. <laughs> I, you know what? Getting off topic, never mind. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm happy to take us off topic really quick and point out that Mac from It's Always Sunny uh, is now on this show called, um, well, crap, I forgot the name. Anyway, uh, the the main guy from or the the guy who plays Mac on It's Always Sunny is on the game or is on a show about a company that builds this video game, kind of like World of Warcraft. And the first two episodes are available for free on Apple's streaming service. Uh, uh, yeah, so, but the first episodes are free. They're pretty funny, so I'm glad that he's doing his own thing. Well, yeah. well, as long as we're doing plugs, uh, I'd like to say I'm very glad to be here because uh, everyone from like my two favorite podcasts is here. Nice. Um, I, I, not everyone. I, we're missing Scott. Well, not everyone, but people, representatives. <laughs> uh, and I, I just finished We Got Worm um, like a couple days ago. Awesome. Which is, oh, I can't, anyone listening should go to get it right now. Just, it's just stop listening to our podcast right? <laughs> go listen to that one it's go so get good. worm which go is a th- which is a podcast that i that i did uh, a while back for those eight of you who don't know that um come back yes. in a few hundred hours once that's done being listened to yeah 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 I, it's just yeah it's a it's a uh it's an ordeal yes as as you guys know i recently uh had uh had a, a brand new baby Congrats. And, Congratulations. Um, you, so you have to feed her, and it takes like 45 minutes of just sitting there holding her and to with a bottle a in her mouth. Yeah. How did they ever live? I don't know. Um, but, but I was basically listening to Worm, and then we've got Worm for the entire time, like four times a day. Nice. <laughs> if you're looking for perfect activity to, to do. Yeah. Yeah. If you're looking for new new stuff to, to listen this? to with uh, during your baby feeding time, mm-hmm. I don't think there are any episodes of the Magnus Archives about haunted babies, so you should be in good shape. But I can't recommend right. that podcast highly enough. So you can you can look at your baby when they're debating whether to shoot a baby in the face or not. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember them even debating. I you know I haven't actually read Worm, so all I know about this is secondhand information. <laughs> but I hear that at some point a baby might get it's, shot in the face. I'm not sure. It's the least amount of deliberation that was ever put <laughs> to that particular question. <laughs> okay. It really was. I I am curious though. Is this a normal thing for babies to need 45 minutes to eat? Yeah, I think so. 
God yeah. damn. I can suck down the calories I need in like three minutes. But you're Whoa. Adult. That's oh. very impressive, Anyaz. <laughs> <laughs> you're a, a very impressive person. I'm much like a... better at this than that baby is. <laughs> <laughs> Fully formed digestive system and all. Oh, is that part of the problem? It's teeth it's are probably a big life hack. My teeth. My, I'm pretty sure that it's mostly the baby taking their time to force the oxycotton to release in your brain, so that uh, you are reprogrammed to love them more. I think you um, mean oxytocin. No, I'm def. No, I well, yes, definitely that one. Both <laughs> I was probably. Like, I was knows? like, whoa, oxycotton. I don't know. Uh, I don't remember that. It feels like oxycotton when you're holding and feeding a baby for 45 minutes. Am I right? I mean, it was yeah. a funny. Yeah, slip totally. Because you guys, basically, you guys should come over and try it. Oh, man. <laughs> it certainly would make me love the baby more. The new party drug is just feeding Wes's baby. <laughs> it's probably adorable. Does it work? And that and that's a nice segue. It is actually it's it's, it's not at all. Um, <laughs> I, I was about to make the same sort of noise. I wanted to point out also just at the opening of this that we are kind of jumping all over because, or there might be some interruptions because none of us can see each other's faces because visualizing this would be too distracting and suck up too much bandwidth. So we are kind of just uh, there's going to be some talking over people and whatever, but we'll do our best to moderate that. So anyway, ready to dive right in wherever you guys are. Um. Yeah, I mean, so I I actually am not sure. I, I feel like uh, y'all or some subset of people did an episode on, uh, which at least touched upon the idea of like ask versus guess versus tell culture. And I don't think we have actually. Well, that was what Jess was talking about last week. We mentioned it. It was in the you, Radical Honesty mm, episode. Yes. Well, I mean, it, it, it touched on it, but it didn't really go into the details, right? That's true. Oh, that's what we're but, doing now. But it did spark yeah. It did spark an argument on Discord, which sparked this episode. So Yes. So Wes and I were arguing bitterly, bitterly. for hours about this. And I think that uh, that's why we're having this podcast, is so we can continue that argument. Well, we should probably recap the argument, too, for people who are not on the Discord. Or we, maybe of course. start with explaining and what... And I'll say for fun, too, that... This this is a uh, like it's we're not just on just to host a WWE match. It's also just because uh, I I find myself I guess sort of on the fence on this issue or on this discussion. Um, I don't think I don't think it's really an issue, um, and I'm curious to see kind of the the long form coherent points of of what people are advocating for. And I'm gonna have my my just one moment of old man yells at clouds, which is I hate the norm of calling everything a culture like where i think I, I was talking to somebody a few months ago and they had said something about interrupt culture like it's a thing that as a society we all like put our heads together and decided to do and it's I, kind of a cultural thing like in the east coast though especially in new york or just you maybe because you just interrupted me oh. but, um, <laughs> I, I i think it's just i me, just it's had like, to give an example you, you can't you can't call anything that more than one person does a culture but that's probably my old man yells like clouds thing i think something can be usefully de described as like a thing that is a population of people does so i think that's what a culture is like yeah i know i just i i found it kind of just like well, well, gr gr grinding my gears. I, I think it's it just, that people de describe elements of a culture as cultures in themselves, which is not quite yeah. accurate. Hey, well, I think it's I, I think it's appropriate to the conversation to ask the question or, or to, to point out the conflict, though, because the idea that there is even such a thing as guest culture and that guest culture is 
the background culture of the world is an assertion which requires um, defense, I believe, and it, and I feel like it gets taken as an axiom in these conversations too often. So may, maybe we can start there, and, and All right. either we can start there, or or Wes, you can just lay out what your argument, since you seem to be kind of making the affirmative, and I'd be taking the negative. Yeah. yeah so. Hang on, um- can we also kind of maybe just quickly define what these things mean? Yeah, for that's, that don't know? that's that's where I was planning on starting. Awesome. So, okay. ask and guess culture are terms that come from a very old thread on Metafilter, which wow. I don't even know what that is. Um, but it's some kind <laughs> of I'm like, surprised that you know the origin. Yeah, and it was a a so it was it came from a comment. It's like it's like fifty comments down that people just latched onto. Um, and it was a it was a guy asking about how his he lived in New York and his wife's friend was coming to town and she had asked to stay with him. And he didn't want her to stay there. He doesn't even know her. And he thinks it's very rude that she's asking and doesn't know how to say no. And the comment that everyone kind of latched on to and, and, and that vibed with everyone um, and I'm just going to quote a little of it here. It says, in some families, you grow up with the expectation that it's okay to ask for anything at all, but you got to realize you might get no for an answer. This is ask culture. In guest culture, you avoid putting a request into words unless you're pretty sure the answer will be yes. Uh, and that's basically the difference between the two. Um, it's been, you know, it's been refined and discussed a lot since then. Um, and when I talk about it, I'm talking about specifically the aspect of whatever culture you're in that deals with requests and refusals. Um, so it's how you ask for things and how you deal with other people asking for things. Um, I see it as a spectrum that, you know, there's no such thing as a pure ass culture. There's no such thing as a pure guest culture. Um, it's just which side of the needle are you pointing towards some and, and it's comparing cultures to one another. Um, on this sort of axis um is that does that sound like uh the same thing you guys are talking about yeah. kind of except you haven't explained what either of those things are like you you gave the you gave the example but i guess it's not clear to me um maybe i just missed it because i'm slow <laughs> uh maybe so, a couple more examples would help to uh, illuminate the point so ask culture is where you can ask for anything you want but you're you're acting under the assumption that the person can say no and um that's totally normal in guest culture you don't ask for what you want um unless you're pretty sure the other person is is gonna say yes um because otherwise it's rude um and that people rarely say no because giving a direct no is also rude those both sound like real life right now yeah well so and, and I think I think you're right that they're kind of different ends of a of a spectrum. But I think what I tried to articulate in our Discord discussion, and and then I don't know if we got much farther beyond this. So I'll just recap kind of my position, and then we can maybe go from there. Was like I I I, I agree that that those tendencies exist and they exist in a spectrum. But I think that each individual ranges across that spectrum um, all the time, depending on the context going into the situation. And like one thing I did in our, our conversation is I, I made like, I think I made like six or so different um, um, scenarios where I was like, look at each of these scenarios and in each of these scenarios, like one person is, is being ASCII and the other is, 
is fine with it or this person is being guessy and the other person is fine with it or this person is being asky but it's perceived as rude and, and I was basically pointing out like it's literally always dependent on the specific context of the situation and yeah it's absolutely possible to like find yourself in a in a confusing edge case like for example um y you you ask to stay with your wife's husband or, or whatever and it's like maybe to that person it didn't occur to them that that was like a really big ask and it would feel really burdensome but like like if i were to call like one of my like one of my best college friends or whatever and be like hey I, um, i'm gonna come visit and like can i stay with you like that wouldn't feel like first of all yes i would expect him to say yes but if they said no it wouldn't hurt my feelings it would just be like oh like they must have like like that, that's fine whatever um I whereas like i wouldn't i wouldn't if i were visiting like the town of some somebody i didn't know very well i wouldn't i wouldn't assume so it, it it's I, I know i'm starting to trip over my words here and i think it's just because it's really hey matt yeah i liked the example you gave of uh asking the your boss for his gold watch yeah yeah, I didn't necessarily want to go through all of them, but maybe we can just start there what? as like an example, and then and then y'all can say like what's what's wrong with this. So like, Alice is from Ask Culture. She walks into the CEO's office and asks for his watch, and the CEO says no. Um, if we were saying that like you you should live according to the norms of Ask Culture, then like even if the CEO and Alice were both diehard ask culture people the ceo would be like that was stupid and a waste of my time there was no way i was going to give her my watch yeah um yeah so there's still an element of guessing and i i yeah. i completely agree with that and i think what that misses is that when i when i talk about ask and guess culture what i'm really talking about is how much subtext there is in a request or a refusal so an ask culture and again, these are this is a spectrum. Nothing is real, like 100% ask or 100% guess. But when I when I say ask culture, I'm talking about having less subtext attached to those things. And in guess culture, there's a lot more subtext. So in guess culture, request kind of carries the subject that that it's a demand that that I will be upset if you refuse this thing. So you only ask for or, things you really need, or that you're very confident the other person wants to give you. Yeah, or like you could, you know, the the question like, do you want to go get a coffee with me? is pretty universally understood to be asking someone on a date, except maybe not depending on the context. Yeah. And yeah, a, I'd like to, I like to always be very specific when I'm asking someone on a date that this is a request for a date. I've, I've learned to do that as well. <laughs> In high school, I went on a lot of things I thought were dates that uh, I was the only one that thought that. <laughs> so, I mean, it's interesting cause I, I, up till this point, um, I, I think I agree with everything you're saying descriptively. I think the 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 actual butting of heads happened because it seemed like you and or other people in the discussion were saying, and therefore we should make we should shift the norms of our social group to be more ask culture and less guest culture because it requires less subtext and communication is more clear. And I. I identify as a rationalist. I always think communication should be clear, but I also think it's literally impossible to eliminate the need for subtext and, and context from communication. So um, 
the the idea that like I, I need to write everything in in, in a, a extremely formal and precise request just to be like, hey Steven, you want to hang out sometime? Like, like we both know what I'm asking. We want to hang out. Like it's. It, 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 so, so do you do you do you actually think that we should intentionally move the norms of our of kind of the community, as it were, to a more ASCII uh, direction? Yes, I do. Um, well, I guess it's not. I, it's not. Sorry, just to interject with that example of Matt saying, "Do you want to hang out?" It's not clear to me what's guessy there. Like, if that was asked in a guest culture perspective or framing, what could that possibly mean? It sounds to me like a simple question: "Hey, you want to grab lunch on Monday?" What am, I, I, what am I to guess? What am I to read if someone well, well, is wearing th- a badge that says guest culture? Right. I think in an, in an ass culture, there's very little subtext there. In a guest culture, the subtext is, um, I would really like to have lunch with you, and I'll be upset if you refuse. Yeah, I think that's like if, if Stephen were to just be like, no, then, then, that, would, then that would be, that would be <laughs> confusing. But the thing is, the reason it would be confusing is not because I'm from guest culture. It's because I think that I know Steven pretty well and can anticipate his response. And so even him saying no to me rudely would give me information, right? Like it, like you're getting information one way or another. It's just that in guest culture, you have to spend a bit more time interpreting the information. And that's and the thing is, I, I don't think that's the worst thing in the world well i think like, i think these sure you... different cultures break down when you're talking about people you know really well because people you know really well there's always going to be this shared subtext that you have together just from knowing each other and just from the experiences you have for each other the, the ask and guest culture tend to deal with strangers or people you don't know that well like what are the default rules here that change once you you know form a relationship with someone and get to know them better yeah, um, that's that's true. I I just wanted to interject in the middle of this. Do you have any feelings about what has been called tell culture, and should we include that in this conversation? And define what that is. Yeah. So so tell culture. Um, uh, the definition is. Uh, sorry, I have it written right here. You tell the person what's going on in your own mind whenever you suspect you'd both benefit from them knowing. Uh, and you interpret things people tell you as attempts to create common knowledge for shared benefit rather than as requests or as presumptions of compliance. And, okay, so the funny thing about that definition is there's nothing about that definition that I find terribly uh, objectionable. It's just that in the original post about Telculture, they then went on to give a bunch of examples of situations that I and like a whole bunch of people who who responded to, to that original post found um, objectionable where it's like that that's overdoing it. That that's just especially like a lot of them, a lot of them did involve communications between people who knew each other. And it was like, you just, you just can, you just can use subtext sometimes like it's, it's fine. And the amount of extra effort you have to go to in order to give people like fully transparent communication is is not only not worth it but it sort of burns up the sense that you know each other really well if you know what i mean and i actually agree with that i think tell culture is a little overboard um specifically tell the other person what's going on in your own mind whenever you suspect you'd both benefit from them knowing i do not want people doing that to me um that sounds like a lot of unsolicited advice that i will end up getting (laughs) 
that I do not want. Um, and this sort of goes back to the, the radical honesty episode. My policy is tell people things that if you think they'd want to know. Um, not if you think doesn't they benefit require, from knowing. I, doesn't that require guessing, though? It does. It absolutely does. Um, but I guess that's you ask impossible. First. Yeah, actually, and, and that's one of the things I do. It was a, there was a, uh, a discussion about um, you know, whether you tell people you're attracted to them. And, and one of my strategies for that is asking a person, hey, do you like to know when people are attracted to you? Because um, it, you know, it's kind of transparent what I'm doing, but it gives enough plausible deniability that people end up usually not, not being made uncomfortable by it because it's easy enough to say, nah, I don't always want to know that. And this is one yeah, of those I mean, fun the, things that makes me happy that I've been in a committed relationship for like yeah. eight or nine years because, uh, and even that, my dating history before then was sparse. Like, I I can't imagine what it would have been like going through college and trying to navigate this terrain where, like, if I were to try to, like, if you ask somebody, do you want to know if I'm attracted to you? Like, that would be such a forthcoming question with a classmate or something, right? Um, well. Wes, you, you gave the, you just used the term plausible deniability. I'm sorry, Stephen, I want to come back to that, but like, I don't want to lose this real quick. Isn't plausible deniability like the absolute cornerstone of guest culture? One, Isn't that why guest culture exists? 100%. The thing I just described is very, very guest culture And one of the things I wanted to get to um, at some point is how, you know, how do you go from being in a guest culture to being in an ass culture? Because you can't just do ass culture in a guest culture. Um, you, that, like, that, that, that ends up with you just like running over people's boundaries. So that was like your way of asking someone if they want to join your ask culture then? No. Still being in no, that's just me living in a guest culture and recognizing that and trying to deal with it. Okay. Um, because you can't like if somebody because one of the things about ask culture is you can't do it halfway. You can't have people um, asking for what they want without the part that um, where people feel comfortable saying no. Hey, Steven, going back to your like dating thing, is it just me or is like 90% of ask versus guest culture mainly dealing with the dating market? That seems to be my impression from the discord conversation where people were saying that it's hard to navigate this, uh, this aspect of life while guessing all the time and it sure would be convenient if you could just know i guess vis-a-vis -vis ask culture um there's also heavy stress on people who have a hard time reading social cues or or mentally modeling other people mm -hmm. um but i i i don't know if this makes you sound insensitive or not so i'll just go for it i feel like modeling the rest of society around uh the um social um i don't want to say deficiencies but like, yeah. if you're if you're bad at like uh, reading people or having those sort of picking up on those social, social, sorts of social cues, it's not. I mean, it is it is literally your problem. Um, but that doesn't mean that people shouldn't make efforts to accommodate you. But it might mean that like uh, it might be over asking for an entire community to work around your particular issues. Like part of like I used to suck at talking with people, and I'm told I'm I'm okay at it now. Um, and learning how to do that was rewarding. Uh, like, and that's, I mean, that's probably because I don't suffer any particular, uh, like, deficiency in ability to do that. I just sucked at it for 15 or 20 years. Um, so, like, it, I mean, learning how to navigate socially, I think, is 
not, hmm, I don't want to say essential, but incredibly valuable if you can. And if you can't, I guess there's there has to be ways to work around that. Like in your social circle of friends, if you're, I mean, um, what's that called? Uh, prosopagnosia, where you're really bad at recognizing faces. I like if you had that, but it was more specifically like you just can't read on people's facial expressions, like if they're uncomfortable or if they're excited or something. Um, and it didn't relate to you being a sociopath. It just related to you like not being good at that. Um, it might be great if in your if in your circle of friends you could say, hey, by the way, can you just be super straight up with me all the time? Because that helps me not try to guess because I'm really bad at guessing. That sounds like a great thing to set up there. But you still need to be able to navigate like the, the work-life example that Matt had. You know, you, you can't ask your boss for their watch, right? Oh, let me take that back. You totally can, but you can't without being seen as a weirdo. Right. Yeah. And I, with, the, with the watch example, I feel like... There's no real difference there in ask or guest culture. In either culture, you're going to be seen as a weirdo for asking that. Because even if the subculture, in a guest culture, you're going to be seen as more of a weirdo because the subtext is going to be like, I, if you don't give me your watch, I'm going to be upset with you. Um, but either way, you are wasting everyone's time, and that doesn't change in an ask culture. Yeah. Um, so, so, yeah. But I would I, like to, to push back against this idea that, that this is primarily about dating. Uh, so one of the things to to prepare for this that I did is I went on Facebook and and asked all my friends like hey if you if you've moved around the country or moved around the world like what differences do you notice here and 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 people came back with lots and lots of differences in cultures around these questions um, and particularly uh, in India and China seem like very very guessy um, in with strangers it was and it's funny because it seemed to be um, more ASCII with close uh, like relatives or close relationships. So like in India, um, and I don't know if you guys know her, Divya Caroline Eden is, uh, she has a lot of, she has a lot of rationalist friends. Um, but she says, you know, one thing I had trouble with when visiting India was that shopkeepers would almost never directly say no. And she spent, uh, like hours on, on a Sunday running around trying to find someone who could change dollars to rupees and every person gave them directions to somewhere else th- that couldn't do it and she, she suspected that they knew those places wouldn't be able to but also saw you know refusing her request as rude so they just gave her uh, the information she wanted but she also added that her Indian relatives are far more direct than her western relatives um, so they were like much more likely to comment on weight loss or gained or how to find a husband, or how much <laughs> money she was making. So it seems like in with strangers, they're much more guessy, but with closer relationships, they're much more ASCII. Um, and, pe- and, and people also said China uh, has a lot of the same thing going on. Um, yeah, that matches my experience with Asian culture. I don't yeah, see how I giving mean, somebody bad directions is giving them the information they want. Well, it's just it's that they, it's, it's, it's impolite to say no. And the, the politeness norm there is just to, to, you know, say something. Wouldn't the politeness for me, like, I guess if it was me, I think the polite thing to do would be like saying, I have no idea where you can do that. That seems like an honest answer and communicates the truth. But and it, it, it's not, there's nothing guessy or asky about it, right? But apparently in that culture, well, I think it is guessy because, well, it, it's not, I think it is asky because you're, you're basically saying, no, I can't do what you asked for. Sure. Uh, I mean, I, I, I think it's very interesting. You know, we, we can be, I don't think I'd, I've disagreed with anything you've said descriptively. Like, human cultures are weird. Mm-hmm. 
the culture that we're in probably looks really weird to people from other cultures or, or other eras for all kinds of reasons. Um, but I, I sort of, I sort of feel like there's always a modern Bailey thing going on with, with this idea that, um, yeah, like in that discussion, uh, in the discussion on discord, it seemed to me like at several, at several points, there were people who were stating pretty clearly that they would like to see sort of the rationalist subculture shift as far as possible into communicating very, very, very clearly um, trying to minimize the amount of subtext required even between people who know each other because it's just too burdensome to have to parse subtext and, and process context. And then when they're and then when people are challenged on this, and I saw this not just in the Discord, but I've seen this elsewhere. I've seen this on, on the less wrong posts as well. When people are pushed on this, they then back up to the more defensible and kind of obvious position of like, oh, well, no, all I'm saying is that we should try to communicate more clearly. And I'm, and I'm like, well, that's definitely not the thing that you were saying in the first place. Like communicating more clearly, of course, of course, we should try to communicate more clearly. But also, you kind you have to be constantly training the Slytherin in you to to learn how to process that that subtext and those social cues because that's just always going to be part of human communication and, and interaction. So, like, if if the if the proposition is rationalists should try to communicate clearly, I don't think there's anybody I know who would disagree with that. But if the proposition is like minimize subtext in all communications that's well that sounds like hell to me personally and, and also i don't think it would work i think it would just play like a weird game of like pushing the subtext into ever more tortured like bandwidths that the people who are like the people who would most suffer from this are the ones who have trouble parsing subtext does that make sense kind of but uh Oh man, I had a thought about that. I oh, I feel like the rationalist subculture is already so much more uh, ask culture than like non-rationalist culture. That's why I like being in it. Uh, I don't know that we need to make it more that way. Um, I prefer it in like my social groups, but it already feels to me like that. This is just so much more comfortable for me. Yeah, I, Wes, I, you, I agree with that. Are you suggesting? So you're not suggesting the rationalist culture needs to be more uh, ASCII, more that we need to try to expand that to outside the rational sphere. Well, the rash, I think the the rationalist culture also feels pretty ASCII to me, um, and I, I think it could be more so, uh, or it could at least be. I guess with the rationalist community, what I'd most look for is for us to be self-awarely ASCII. Yes. And like understand that this is an important norm for us um, and kind of tell that to people when they're when they're entering the community, um, you know, like we do with a lot of other stuff. Uh, like you have to be OK with lots of jargon. Yeah. <laughs> um, so so uh, could 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 somebody give an example just for me of, of how how the rationalist culture is more ASCII, um, just any, any, even, even like a pseudo made up example would, Actually, would be fine. I, th 
I can give a direct example from something that happened to me just a couple of weeks ago. Okay. Uh, someone from the Discord is going to be visiting in April in Pennsylvania. And actually, this happened not too long ago with, uh, with Gray as well. But um, it's happened with a number of people, really. Me. And they okay. just, you know, reached out to me and were like, hey, uh, going to be there for like a week and a half. Can, can I crash at your place for a while? There's two of us. And I was like, uh, probably not for that full week and a half. I'll ask around some more, which I plan to do our next meetup. But um, I'm not like offended that they ask and i'm actually kind of glad that they did because now i have the option of you know interacting with these people for a few days and getting getting to know them getting to enjoy their company and you know they don't have to pay for as many um airbnbs if they have to end up doing that yeah and i i have a similar story of someone who you know was taking a flight out of philadelphia early in the morning and they lived in new york and were like hey can i crash with you the night before um and it didn't it didn't work out because i wasn't going to be home but it was it was I was very glad they asked. And uh, I feel like in a different culture, they never would have asked that because it would be seen as too presumptuous, just like the original post that sparked this whole thing uh, reacted that way. So I, I don't I don't mean to nitpick. It just seems like those those are examples where the surrounding subtext of like who you are, who they are, what they know about you, what you know about them the fact that you share a cultural milieu that that all has like everything so, so if you subtracted away the fact that they were rationalists i feel like that picture would have looked the same i mean like, like, if if someone from a random like gaming discord were to send me mm -hmm. that tell then you're right i would think that they were stupid for even asking I mean, okay yeah. okay no, I don't know you. I don't know anything about your culture or anything. Don't I probably wouldn't even respond. Okay. So yeah, I'm, just I'm to be trying clear. to process whether I would respond. I, I I would just be like, no, I have kids. Sorry. <laughs> but uh, yeah, sorry, I mean, so, Stephen. What were you gonna say? No, you're good. I I was gonna sort of just read read pick the same nit that you were picking at earlier, which was, um, it seems like in both uh, frameworks you can ask somebody, can I crash at your house? And it, it's still not clear to me what the difference is. Um, maybe, maybe I, this I might was be just... dense. I'm not sure what's going on, but... Maybe this was just guest culture. Maybe these people were just really good at guessing that I'm the sort of person who enjoys that kind of thing. Well, I can tell I... you from my perspective what felt different to me. Um, and there was somebody from... The, ration, just the rationalist culture, that, and I knew that, was that I felt completely comfortable saying no. Um, that I knew that me saying, hey, now nah, I'm, I'm sorry I won't be home, um, but even if I was going to be home, I would have felt totally comfortable saying, like, ah, no, I have to get up earlier, something like that. Um, whatever reason I didn't want to do it, that they, they wouldn't get mad at me. I think that's very weird, because um, I would have... If I could take someone and I said no, I would have felt bad. And I, I don't know. Is that not the normal human reaction? No, I, again, I mean, I, I, this is kind, this is kind of what I had in that in that big like post that I wrote for this, and then did nothing with except share it with you guys. But just, I kept repeating the phrase, like the reason this situation went off the rails is because the characters in the scenario weren't paying attention to the context. If you pay attention to the context, then this is what would have happened, and then this would be fine. Like, like in your situation, um, maybe the imaginary uh, uh, average American 
would have thought that you were rude for saying no, just like flat no. Um, but like in my situation, me saying, well, I have little kids in the house, so so no, that would be viewed socially as just like, oh, of, co of course he's allowed to say that. Of course that is an allowed social move. Yeah. And this is, this is, um, this is, subtext parsing or con I don't know whether to use the word subtext or context. I like the word context because it's just like, you just have to look at the whole situation. The whole situation is different. So, if they were to have called me with the same request, the context of the situation is different. I, I could, I could just say no and not feel bad at, about it at all. And, and no, and nobody would have tried to guilt me over it because I have one of the allowed social excuses yeah. that can't be argued against. In your culture. But if this was China, it would have been completely different. <laughs> But what if um, you actually don't have an excuse? Your friend asks if you want to hang out that night. You have no, you have nothing going on that night. You just don't want to. And if you um, just said, I just don't feel like hanging out with you tonight because you're kind of exhausting to talk to, to be honest. <laughs> and I, I, I say this kind of thing to my friends. And they will be like, yeah, oh, you're right. I, I totally get it. <laughs> See... I think part of my, I mean, I'm going to be honest. I, I think part of my problem is like the, I'm super from Guestland, which is another name for Texas, <laughs> um, where like Guess. I can't imagine saying I don't want to hang out with someone for any like for any reason other than like, oh, I'm just like, I just don't feel well. Like like the, yeah. the, the smallest, the smallest valid excuse would be like oh I, I don't I don't really feel well I'm just gonna I'm just gonna rest yeah you know? and that's exhausting I hate having to do that I hate having to like that that's always the thing people say oh no I'm not feeling well I kind of have a headache uh, or I got a doctor's like they'll, they'll have to make up a lie so that their friend yeah. doesn't feel bad and I prefer if my friend doesn't feel like hanging out with me because I'm kind of intense and will like special interest at them about drugs or whatever <laughs> that like they just tell me that and I'm like that's totally understandable and I'm thank you for communicating clearly with me. I think I must be from the same kind of guest culture because I, like, I feel, I almost feel like being in a guest culture is somewhat protective for someone who doesn't have intense ask training already because I can't just say no because I'd rather say no. I, I would feel very bad about that and I would either have to make an excuse and if, if making excuses itself was viewed as a bad thing, I would just, this, this happened to me for a few years where I would run myself ragged doing everything anyone asked because I felt bad refusing them and I couldn't keep up with it. Wouldn't it have been great to have just said, no, I'm exhausted. I'm doing a lot of stuff and I don't feel like it right now. Sorry. It doesn't mean that I don't I, like you. I eventually started saying something like that. Yeah. But you know, I didn't have the ask culture training yet where just saying no is okay. And no one gave it to me. It was, it was a hard thing to come into. There's, there's also, again, I have to return to the idea that, that like, you're not actually escaping from anything by going in that direction. So like, so like if, if, if I, if I called one of my like really good friends and said, uh, Hey, uh, I want to, you know, you want to hang out. And then they said, uh, no, Matt, frankly, you're a little bit exhausting. Like, first of all, I, let, let's assume that I took it in good humor. I'd just be like, well, I'll keep it toned down. Like we don't like, like we'll, we'll just kind of hang out in the same room and, uh, play video games or something like that, that. That'd be fun. Right? Like, so what I've done there is I've misinterpreted their refusal as a condition. Right? So now that just completely messes up this idea no, that I they think said that's no, perfect because if someone gave, if someone told me that, like the thing is, say I've got a friend who 
is a chatterbox and I'm exhausted and I'm getting off work and they're like, hey, do you want to hang out? And I say, no, I like really can't do social interactions right now. And they said, oh, well, what if we just hang out and watch a movie? I would be like, okay, yeah, I could do that. Yeah, and like, I think that's, that's the kind of communication I want. And I think this is where it relates to the radical honesty episode. Because in guest culture, one of the things is, and I actually had this written down, but I didn't, I didn't get to the whole thing, is that you are not supposed to question people's excuses. Um, because there's a sort of shared understanding that people give excuses that aren't necessarily true. So if somebody gives an yeah. excuse for why they can't give you what you wanted or what you asked for, you're never supposed to be like, oh, well, I know how to get around that. We'll just do this. Whereas I would much prefer to live in a culture where people gave their true rejection. Um, so if there was an issue, like Jess was talking about, you could work around it. See, I feel like I'm, I'm the guessiest son of a bitch you'll ever meet, <laughs> but, but, but I still am capable of that kind of interaction if it's someone that I know really well. So, um, so, so that's yet again, I, 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 I I don't want to seem like I'm moving the goalposts, but like I, I just think that everybody is constantly moving in and out of these frameworks depending on some combination of the situation and how well they know the person and what information is available to them. So so to say like we're just going to unilaterally or, or, or even multilaterally shift everything in a certain direction, I'm like, I just, that just, I don't see how that actually is any different than, than, than say, Let's just try to communicate more clearly, which I we all try to do. I think I agree with what you said, and I don't see how it's different. I think that. Well, I'll, a- I'll give you. I'll give you an example. So one of my rules for for, because I'm a, I'm on the autism spectrum, so I have a lot of like sort of rules of thumb I use for interacting with humans. Um, yeah, me one, too. <laughs> one of my rules is that um, for hanging out with people is that if they. If I ask them to hang out and they give an excuse twice, I stop asking. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is, you know, that's not for people I know really well, but this comes up with people I don't know that well that I might want to get to know better that I want to hang out with. And this sort of the default cultural assumption I have is if they turn me down twice and don't um, propose an alternative arrangement, they're probably trying to tell me that they don't want to hang out. So this is a good time for me just to see if I put my foot in my mouth earlier. Like I mentioned, uh, the inability to navigate social situations as a deficit. Um, that Did that come off to either of you as, you know, as spokespeople for people on the spectrum? Um, was that a, a bad way to phrase it? Because I do feel like um, deficiency has a connotation, but I trust that you guys understand what I'm trying to trying to get across. You could say a like, different neurotype if you want to be more politically correct or whatever, but it didn't bother me. I yeah. mean, I mean, I do. I also, I, I do see it as a deficiency. It's a well, something yeah, I'm not good different, at. Different, different doesn't. Yeah, that, that's all I meant it as. It's like not good at. I mean, so different yeah. just means different. Yeah. Um, so I don't know if any of you guys you can know. hear that car alarm in the background, but hopefully that's not coming through. Sorry, I can hear it a bit. Oh. Um. Anyway, yeah. I, hey, timestamp. <laughs> yeah, that'll okay. be hard. Yeah, we'll see what we can do. All right. Um. So the the example of like someone staying at your house, you know, that that's a pretty big imposition. And I like, uh, Matt, you're you're coming from Texas. I think what you're describing as as guest land is also otherwise described as southern hospitality. 
where probably yeah, yeah. You're, you're supposed to just always say yes and the other person's supposed to always know when to stop asking and yeah which, which what's funny is um i think i said this on the in, in the discord discussion like or no this was a completely separate discord discussion actually where, where i was like i've never learned the etiquette of like if somebody says they want to buy the meal i'm just like okay yeah, cool thanks like i know that i'm supposed to argue with them but it sounds so stressful that I'm just like, if you say you want to buy the meal, just buy the meal. Okay. I don't, I don't, I don't know how to do this. I don't know how to play this game, and and I think part of it is like, I don't understand the like 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 all of this is fundamentally about theory of mind, in my opinion. Like like, as as you get older, you sort of linearly but not quite monotonically build a better and better theory of mind of kind of what other humans are like in general and then specifically for the humans that you know and as as you get older all other things being equal you just get to a point where for at least some people you can basically read their mind um and then for the average person you can't read their mind but you can at least have like a couple two or three educated guesses about what is the most likely hypotheses for what's going on in their mind um I mean, I think that's all very um, true, but I don't think that's what we're talking about here. I think what we're talking about are the background assumptions for the culture. Like, there's a, I forget exactly which one, but there's some Asian culture that I was reading about where they, they say if you, if someone offers you something, you have to refuse it three times before they'll stop trying to give it to you. Um, and if you're, and even if you're never supposed to say yes the first time, if you want it, you're supposed to say no twice and then accept on the third one. And if you don't want it, you refuse on the third one. Um, and it's like that, that's a very explicit rule, but a lot of, you know, the things in our culture, are a lot less explicit than that, but they're just these background assumptions for how people behave. And it's all very cultural. I'll agree that that sounds exhausting as all hell. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it maximizes communication time for all of this. I mean, like, I think the way that I've currently navigated these sorts of things is picking up little rules here and there. Like Matt's example of like paying for a meal reminded me of a conversation with somebody in high school where um, I think it, it might have been paying for food, might have been, you know, help with something or whatever. And he was like, oh, yeah, my go to rule of thumb is um, resist, but don't refuse. So like you resist once and then that if that resistance is met, like so in the buying a meal for somebody example, we'd be like, hey, I can get this. And then you would say, well, no, I'm, I'm fine to split it. If they say, no, I insist, then it's like, cool, all yours. But that one um, that one level of resistance is, is expected. Um, but it's not a refusal. It's like a, you know, uh, a negotiation or something. That's sort of how I do it. Hmm. I don't know. Like That's very similar really... to how I do it. I was hoping we'd get back to that because I, you know, being poly, I go on a bunch of dates and I actually have had someone offer to pay for the meal and then well if we even get to that point i usually started out with hey i like to split things 50 50 just so, you know but like if they do offer then i'm like do you want me to argue with you <laughs> <laughs> i think that would be oddly refreshing on an encounter with somebody um that's for, because you yeah, want to live in an ass culture i mean well, it depends you... like I, I it would be weird <laughs> to ask that like there are other times where it's expected like if i go out um like my you know my first week at my new job, I was out of town for this. I was at the, the home headquarters there, and I went out to lunch with somebody who was basically assigned to take me out to lunch. Every, every new hire that week had somebody there that was like, supposed to show them the ropes and take them out that day. I didn't even ask to pay. Um, like, at that one, it's like, you know, I think he may have said, I've got this, and I'm sure it was comped by the company or something. But 
um, you know, if I went out with a, a coworker, I don't know if they'd said, uh, do you want me to argue with you? Like, I, have you ever had someone say yes, Jess? Yeah. Really? Like they, they're like, yeah, argue with me about <laughs> or, this. Not and like, then we can decide who's paying. Not like, yes, argue, but like, um, what did they say? Uh, I actually like, it ended up just becoming this discussion about like, what preferences we have around who pays for what and how long into a relationship like it should be before. I don't know. Like, uh, I think this person, oh yeah, that was it. Their preference was that, uh, the person who asks the person on the date pays for the meal. And then, but then it's like the next person's turn to both ask the other person on the date and then pay for a meal the next time. And that's the way they like to do it. I thought that was like, I'm like, well, what if it ends up being like, radically different prices but I guess if you ask the person out then you get to choose I don't know it's just I think I actually agree with what Matt was saying about like this is kind of about theory of mind the thing I like about <laughs> ask culture is that I get to learn a lot more about how people's minds actually work and what their real preferences are yeah that does sound like a lot of it sounds like a lot of fun especially on a date to have the conversation and find out about the other person but I'm wondering what is the difference between a society where the rule is you refuse once, and if they insist, you don't refuse anymore, and you have to refuse three times. Like, <laughs> the only difference seems like a number. And if you were in that culture, that would seem like a natural number, right? What do you mean? I'm, yeah, like, what's I, I your, mean, I think... Uh, I think well, because both right. Wes and Steven were saying, like, you refuse once, that's the rule, and then if they insist, you let them. And that doesn't seem any different from when you guys were saying it's all crazy that in Asian cultures you have to refuse three times. Oh, no, yeah, I, I agree. I think they're both equally weird. Right. Because <laughs> you're I, both of what you're I have just... no concept of uh, the, the thing that it seems like everybody was like, oh, yeah, that seems pretty, like, normal to refuse once and then not. I, I, I wouldn't think that. I don't yeah. know how long I'm supposed to argue with someone for. Well, both of those things yeah. are very well, guessy. Like, if you lived in an ass culture, you, there wouldn't be a rule. If you wanted to pay, you would say, I'd like to pay. And if you wanted to split it, you'd say, why don't we split it? Or if you didn't want to pay, you'd say, ah, go ahead. So, so the thing that I'm noticing is that paying for a meal, as Robin Hansen would say, is never about paying for a meal. Right. Yeah. It's it's about communicating something else subtextually. It's got lots if, of if you're subtext. going out to, yeah, if you're going out to lunch with an old college friend and you offer to pay, you're you're communicating. I think I'm doing better than you. <laughs> oh, really? If you go, if if it's a date and you offer to pay. <laughs> Uh, you're communicating something completely different. If you out with a subordinate and you offer to pay, or or, or a client, for example, but, like like you like you said, Stephen. That so 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 all of these, all of these are are saying different things, and it's not about the meal. It's about what am I subcommunicating, and you and I don't think you can have a rule that that encompasses all these situations. See, that sounds yeah, like hell to me. <laughs> well, I mean, that's that's what you got already because when you got someone saying i'd like to pay for this meal there's a lot of things that come along with that even in a guest culture when they only say it if they actually mean it and the other person is immediately okay with it there's there's definitely some implications i mean i i definitely think the hansonian lens on human communication is depressingly accurate in the sense that most of what we do is not about <laughs> the superficial thing that is like, 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 what, like even when I'm hanging out with friends and we're, and we're talking, like, it's not really about what we're talking about. It's like the, 
the fact that we're talking that that is giving us all of the kind of kind of what we're after in that situation right you, you know what i mean like like we want we want reinforcement that we all like each other and care about each other that's more important than like the fact that we're talking about some topic du jour right go ahead Inish. Oh, well, okay well when i go on a first date and i ask that we split the check the thing it's like you said it's not about the splitting of the check it's i am actively filtering for people who are enough in the in the traditional mindset that they would think less of me and not want a second date if i asked to split the check because i don't want to date people that expect me to pay for everything i think that they're too hidebound in the past you know and I realize I'm going to lose a lot of dates and people are going to think shitty of me. They're like, oh, you asked me on a date and you won't even pay for it. But I, I just don't want to date a person like that for a long period of time. So that is the implication that goes along with that, despite it being an ass culture. Yeah. And, and that implication is there regardless of whether you intended it to be there. And, and I think that's that's the same that, that that's true of almost all communications between people like, like even with, even if you're being maximally ASCII the fact that you're being ASCII carries a subcommunication like like he I mean and one of the reasons why I have trouble imagine using imagining using this between close friends is that I feel like what I'd be subcommunicating is I don't trust you to understand what I mean which is actually subtly insulting. I don't right? think that I'm very asky with my like partners and good friends, and I think that it helps avoid miscommunication. And I actually really appreciate when someone takes the time to say something like, "I'm trying to think of an example." Like, "Hey, do you want to like go on a date this Saturday?" And uh, that's the only day that I have available. And, but like, I'm not trying to pressure you by saying that or. I don't know if that's a good yeah, example. Yeah, I, I think with close friends, I tend to, to skew more into tell culture, actually. Mm. Um, which, again, it's, yeah, not, it's not a culture at that point. It's just how I interact with this particular person. But it is a lot of, like, when, now that I know you and I want to explain, like, what's really going on here without the subtext or as, with as little as possible. I had a really good friend who... Um, I, you know, it felt to me like managed to split the difference between an ask and guess very well. She she could generally read the room well and, you know, know how to do things. But when she did ask, she would always end the ask with, and no is okay, or something very similar to that. Like, no is an okay answer. And that just sort of right away took off some of the pressure to to say yes. Yeah. And I thought it was wonderful. Yeah. I think there's... um. I... Go ahead, Matt. Well, no, I mean, I, I see that as being just a sign of being really good at all this stuff, like, like better than I am. Like, like I don't, I'm probably like, like generously 50th percentile in terms of like ability to navigate all this stuff um, for my age group or whatever. I, I, I think that people who are actually really good at um, understanding people and, and social stuff will know when they need to add that proviso to their statement because they because they know that if they don't add that then the people they're talking to are going to feel put in a corner like like th that's the level i aspire to like i aspire to you know don't be asked or guess but transcend the path and, and walk the the way of of the sage etc um, yeah which i'm nowhere yeah, near I, i've but met like, people who are very intuitive um and don't don't really need 
rules like this because they can read like by your face, your body language, your tone, whatever, like how you're going to react. And it's very impressive. Um, and those are also some of the scariest people I've ever met. Because uh, they're just <laughs> like, if they use that power for evil, it goes really bad. <laughs> um, but and, I cannot so do is that. The, is the diff- like, I am, I am, like I said, I'm on the spectrum. And I think specifically uh, why I think ass culture is well suited to the rationality community is we skew very like, we skew autistic and um, yeah. there is a lot yeah. of, and, and, and so I think explicit communication is more suited for that uh, particular subculture than a lot of others. Yeah. Can I see, can I say a thing on that topic? Uh-huh. I think there's, I mean, yes, we also definitely skew autistic, but I think a lot of it isn't even just that. And I mentioned this on the discord as well, but uh I've been saying some bad things about ass culture, but I think one of its good um, aspects is that, as far as I can tell, me and a lot of people like me, so basically most of the people I hang out with, uh, grew up being told that we're constantly sort of, not not worthless, but actively no one wants you around. You're, you're lowering the status of everyone else with your presence. Please leave. You're awful. And uh, so... With that conditioning over, you know, your entire teen years or whatever, you you start to all your guesses are always negative. It's like I should not ask for this thing because it's going to be turned down because I'm a garbage person that no one wants around. And I think that once you get out of that toxic ass high school environment where that sort of thing can be true and into the real world, a lot of us have a lot of value which we just don't see, and we're robbing of ourselves of a lot of opportunities. And if we can, like, more ingrain this mindset of it's okay to ask because in the worst case scenario, they'll just say no and they won't attack me. They won't call me a garbage person because they're also in the ask culture and they realize that just saying no is an acceptable answer. Uh, it gets people to ask things a lot more and not miss opportunities that they would other miss, but also very importantly, start getting some yeses. And so they can start updating in the direction of I'm not worthless and I I can sometimes ask things and have that right because I'm an okay person. That was a really important thing for me. I wonder if uh, Stephen Inuyasha, you do remember when I first moved here, I would like occasionally text you guys like, hey, I have really bad social anxiety and I just want to make sure you actually want me to like keep being on the podcast or keep hanging around with you. <laughs> yeah. Or like... Yeah, and I think I, ask culture is really good for that. When like I would like fuck up... Uh, editing the podcast or something it's like i feel like you guys hate me and i'm a garbage person and you're both like no it's fine like but it's like the thing is when you do have anxiety and depression then yeah your your priors are really wrong and uh there's also i'm trying to remember if this is like if there's a more specific bias name or whatever but there's mind reading the mind reading fallacy that's the thing that i kind of wanted to reply to you matt where you're talking about like the importance of subtext but the thing is that nobody is actually good at reading people's minds body language like they've even tested holistic people and shown that they were much more confident in their ability to tell how somebody was feeling or similar things than like the, the truth was different than what they thought was going on and being aware of that like i think you know it's a rationalist virtue to be aware of cognitive biases and to try to push against them. Uh, yeah. 
Well, when you frame it that way, we're all obligated to agree with you. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so you're saying that when they tested, uh, what was the group of people you said? Oh, uh, allistic is just not autistic. Oh, okay. But um. Um. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think I went through a phase in my twenties where, uh, I pro- probably somewhat influenced by HPMOR, um, thought that I could just read people's minds basically like i i thought i was really good at parsing intent from people's actions and had a lot of experiences where i learned that i was wrong and and then i just learned to have much wider confidence intervals and i think that that is the the correct you know end point first of all i make a lot less mistakes now but also like you just keep a population of hypotheses of what's going on with probably i don't know what's actually going on being one of those hypotheses um and i think that i think that everyone kind of has to grow up and get toward like everyone individually has their own journey of getting to a place where they where they are and feel socially competent and everyone starts from different places so absolutely i'm sure some people need to be told that it's okay to ask and uh, frankly i think some people need to be told hey like you asking all the time really feels like you're transgressing boundaries to a lot of people and they, and those people might not know that right yeah, yeah. like like there's a i don't want to i don't want to even say like it's a happy medium on a spectrum it's more like you transcend the spectrum and you become aware that there are lots of different types of agents out there and and you need to try to figure out who you're dealing with and like i, I don't think there is just one stable policy and to kind of loop back around to, to the, the idea that we that we should like make the rationalist culture ex- an explicitly ask culture. I'm like, I don't I literally don't know what that actually means because even some of the situations that, that we've been discussing throughout this conversation as hypotheticals, like one person thought they sounded really guessy and the other person thought they sounded really asky. And it's like, yeah, like that's that's exactly the problem I'm pointing at. Like like you're what what one person's um, hidden subtext is another person's obviously part of what should be considered, and it's it's a constant ongoing process to try to to try to uh, adjudicate between those two things. Well, this yeah. actually segues way pretty well into into something I wanted to make sure we discussed, which is uh, failure modes of both policies. Um, mm-hmm. And one of the things you brought up was that sometimes people just ask too much and it's irritating or it's transgressing boundaries. And that's a big failure mode of ask culture um, is this endless parade of requests um, that people can get. If, if you tell them, oh, it's okay to ask for what you want, then they go around just actually asking for every little thing they want without uh, any filter. Um, and one of the one of the examples of that that I, I was able to think of are is uh, uh, men hitting on women wearing headphones. Um, what? <laughs> this is a thing. This is a thing I see women complaining about all the time is that they'll be out like on the train or in a coffee shop or something. They'll have headphones on or they'll be reading a book or something and men will come up and try to talk to them. Um, and I, I, I happens to me all the time. Yeah. Can oh, I object to the funny anecdote with this? 
What's that? I at my last I have a funny anecdote related to oh, specifically that. Do tell. At my last job, there was a a coworker who had that situation, and she was describing how annoying it was because she was wearing headphones on the train, and you know guys kept trying to talk to her and stuff. And I was agreeing with her. I was like, oh yeah, you know, headphones in general are a sign of like I don't want to talk to you. Like that's why I'm wearing these, so I don't have to listen to anything going on around me, so I can listen to something else. And that same week, within two or three days. I'm making coffee at the coffee machine and she's talking to me and I'm wearing headphones <laughs> and I, I, I pull one of the, the, the ear pieces back and I was like, didn't we just talk about headphones and what that means? And she laughed and she's like, oh yeah, I, I forgot. Um, and it wasn't a, a hitting on situation and you know, it was just friendly banter, but it's, uh, I mean that, that, I don't know, like. I feel like even in, in an ASCII culture, yes, I, I think labeling that as a failure mode is, is useful rather than like just labeling it as a con because, I mean, I, I would think that whatever culture you're trying to come from, there are signals that if you're missing, uh, you're missing them, yeah. right? And, that, and you're failing to, by, by I'm reiterating, you're failing to pick, pick up on yeah. them and that's a failure mode. And one, one such signal is like, I'm wearing headphones. Don't talk to me unless it's important. And this is um, this is why I try to stress that it is a spectrum. Like nobody wants to actually live in a society where everyone goes around asking for what they want all the time. Um, it's just that I think yeah. in most of the subcultures that I exist in, it would be better if people asked more and that people were okay with that. Yeah, there's there's also other social skills that are important to have like, I wouldn't advocate that everybody should just ignore signals. Mm-hmm. If people are sending signals, like, they're turned away, they're reading a book, they've got headphones on in the cafe, they're sending a signal that this is what I want to be doing right now, and I don't want to be in social interaction mode. Right. So when I say I want to live in an ass culture, I don't mean I want to be, like, so far on that spectrum that nobody ever tries to pick up on nonverbal signals or subtext at all, ever. Um, I see, see what's funny is I feel like, uh, the kind of man who would hit on a woman on a train wearing headphones is also subcommunicating. I'm the kind of guy who doesn't care that you're obviously not interested in talking to me. And I anticipate that there's a small chance that you're going to find that bold and attractive. And I'm willing to strike out 99 times out of a hundred, um, on this gambit and that's basically um once once again i'm I'm like flanking the situation and and i'm like i i just always think that there's more to be read into the situation than you can possibly account for but yeah i mean i mean if we walk like it i i think one thing i'll walk away from this conversation with is like maybe lean lean more explicitly uh, uh and and clearly um especially in rationalist settings because the type of person who ends up being a rationalist would probably appreciate that in ways that might not be obvious to me. Um, but also like, I'm just, I'm just always aware of like, yeah, but there's like, th- there's more, there's more under the surface of, of this iceberg than there is above the surface. Like the types of, the types of scenarios that we're talking about are, are all way more complicated than you can even address in a, in a short kind of description. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, I think that's true. But I think there is also something to be said for 
the culture and what the shared cultural assumptions are about how people behave in that situation. Well, it, yeah. it sounds very much like this is just a thing where you need to know your culture. Like someone without a someone who came from a culture where headphones weren't a clear signal of "don't bother me" wouldn't know that, right? That's still that's, so is, is, that's one of the is ask culture just an attempt to influence the broader culture in a direction that is more to the person's liking? Like, are we just trying to re reduce the count from three to one, or to spread the rule that everyone knows that headphones are not to at be, you know, are don't at talk to me signals? Um, in the case of headphones, I feel like that's pretty universal since you're covering your ears. <laughs> There's uh, a yeah. this this puts me in mind of I'll have to find and, and link to the bit. I think the guy's the comedian's name is Matthew Bronger, but I'm I might be wrong. But he has a bit about. Some guy asking this clearly exhausted woman, like, carrying groceries on the train, like, on a date. And she's just like, I have three kids. I'm not into it or something. And she, she rebuffs him somehow without saying, like, I don't want to date you. I forget what it was. And the guy's like, that's not the point. And the comedian's like, what's not the point? Um, I didn't deliver it very well, but I'll find it and put it in the, in the episode. I guess, like, so in the in this situation, like, if you're trying to navigate like how you want people to work with you and how you want to work with people other than like wearing a shirt that says I'm an ask culture. What are you supposed to do? Like, so Inyash, you mentioned your friend who would say it's okay to say no after a request, which I think is an awesome thing to do. And I, I found myself doing that too. Um, where like, Hey, do you want to hang out? It's totally cool. If you don't want to um, like I, unless that person is like, you know, prepending or appending their, their message to you with a, ask culture, guest culture tag, you know, her, so your friends who did that could have been saying it's okay to say no, but if they're quote guest culturing, they, they could say, I'm going to read a ton into that. No. Well, this <laughs> is exactly why I describe it as a culture and why I specifically target a subculture to establish this in, because there's really no way to, like, as I was saying before, there's no way to do ask culture when you're in a guest culture. Um, it has to be this shared um, understanding that people have. Well, so, so you were going to tell us about like the advantages of moving more to ask and how that can be done in a guest culture? Well, I guess we've probably covered much of the advantages, but you were going to say like how it's possible to do it? I, I don't I don't <laughs> no, I don't know how to move from one to the other. Um, but I think if it was, do you know of a way to nudge? If it was, if you know, if, if it was uh, something like the rationalist community that has actual like thought leaders in it that people read and and understand, I think it just takes the thought leaders to advocate this and say like, hey, here's good. These are good communication norms. I encourage you all to uh, to make use of them. I think I like. Yep. I, go, go ahead, Matt. I, no, you go ahead. Oh, okay. Oh, I, now I almost forget what I was going to say. <laughs> okay, well, I was going to say, like, I, I would, um, I think, I think the idea of, like, a crazy, wild, intentional community sounds fun. If someone were able to actually argue to me or prove to me or even argue to me in a persuasive way, not, not, even, not even prove, that, um, that it would be potentially better. And... While I while I am walking away from this conversation thinking like okay, 
there are mines that work different from mine. And I kind of already knew that, but now I have a little bit more data and I have enough data to kind of be even more explicit in certain ways. I still am not persuaded that we should do this little social experiment. Like I'm not, I'm not necessarily all Chesterton's fence about this and saying, oh, no, 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 things we need to keep our culture the way the normal culture is because I, I see no reason why we can't have the rationalist culture be weird and strange. Like it's, it sounds fun to me. I just am not persuaded like, like, like Inyash was, was saying, I don't know what we would even do. Um, like if, if we all agreed, if, if everyone on this call just agreed like, oh yeah, yeah, we're going to do it. Okay. What do we actually do? What do I actually do? Like, cause it, it's like that XKCD cartoon where it's like, there are 14 competing standards. We're going to make a new standard that synthesizes all of them. Now there are 15 competing standards. <laughs> it, it's not, it's not like now I'm going to go to less wrong meetups and have to do less cognitive computation. I'm going to do exactly what I did before, except with an extra filter of, wait a minute, is this sufficiently ask culture? And then how many levels of indirection are underneath the ask that I need to account for? Because that's obviously still happening. Hmm. Like what Steven said a second ago about like, like, are, are they saying, uh, are, are they saying it's okay to say no, but they're still going to read into the no? They're going to read into the no, no matter what. You can't stop it. You like no matter what culture they're from, they're going to read into the no, right? Um, if, Even if I, you're, uh, if like, you explain why you said no, then you don't have to read into it. I've. But they could be lying. I guess, but <laughs> I mean, don't lie. Then don't, yeah, I mean. Well, you, you know you're not lying, but do they, do they know you're not it, lying? Like so, exactly. so Matt, when you'd said that you you sometimes claims to like I'm not feeling well as an excuse not to hang out. Like now, if you ever actually are sick and can't hang out, it, there's there's a chance that. Now that this is out there, people are going to assume that you're pretending to not feel well. Right? Oh, yeah. My, my whole migraine disorder is fictional. <laughs> I, I, I didn't want to say that, but I was guessing that, right? No, no that's, that's, that, that's a joke. Um, He's really that, committed to it. He threw up in my toilet for like a half hour to get this out there. <laughs> he really had to sell it. Oh, yeah. Yes, culture. Well, <laughs> um, if it wasn't for but, guest culture, you wouldn't have to vomit in people's toilets, man. But yeah, I, I, that's you know, true. I would just feel much more comfortable asking people for things and saying no to people when they ask me for things, if, if that's how I felt. That's, you know, I don't think it's yeah. that super if complicated. That, the thing is, I feel bad asking for things, so oftentimes I won't. And if I knew that people felt more free to say no, then I wouldn't feel as bad about it. I think a lot of the problem is just that I hate to use the word patriarchy because now of all the culture war connotations it has, but... I do think a big part of the patriarchy is teaching um, half of our population to accommodate the other half and be very and just feel bad internally if they don't respond to a request with a yes. And we, it's going to be hard to have an ass culture until we can fix that. And that was actually one of the things I wanted to mention is that this ends up getting very gendered in most of in most of the country. Um, and that was one of the things one of my friends on Facebook pointed out is that she, um, you know, presents very female and that she has had real trouble parsing like what the what the ask and guest norms were where in the, the various parts of the country she was in because um, because she's a woman and the rules are always different for her. Yeah. I feel a large part of patriarchy is just teaching women how to be victims and accommodating and. I hate that. And I don't know, maybe if ask culture were more prevalent, women would be more, some women would have better training in how to say no and not, not accommodate every dumb Yeah, request. well, I think that's a double-edged sword because 
one of the big advantages of ass culture is that people do get a lot of practice saying no. Um, and that's an important thing. Um, and if you ever, if you ever, I've never attended one of these, but I've, I've, I've heard people go on about have cuddle parties and how a lot of what they do there is they practice asking people for things and refusing those requests. And it's very like training for, for how to be assertive. Um, which sounds really great to me. But the, the other edge of it is that one of the other failure modes of ass culture is victim blaming. Is you look at someone and mm. you say, well, well, you should have said no. Why didn't you say no? Oh. Um, and, mm. and not taking into account all the like pressures that, that get put on people by taking too simplistic a view of it. It's, it's interesting. This is maybe a, an aside, maybe perfectly relevant. I'm not sure, actually. Um, so I have a very good friend who, this is just kind of the, the best example I can think of off the top of my head where he and I were both asked at the same time to be, uh, groomsmen in, in a mutual friend's wedding. So, and, and I, and I say, of course I would be honored because, um, I can't even conceive of saying no to that question. And Michael, I mean, uh, my unnamed friend says, <laughs> no. He says no, and he doesn't explain why. And ultimately, it's because he doesn't want to. And the thing is, like, everybody knows, like, oh, that's Michael. That's just how he is. And, and, then, and then it's not a thing, right? It would have been weird if I had said no with no explanation. It would have it been perceived as highly rude. But, like, he has created this iconoclastic personality for himself where he's allowed to yeah. do that. And I think that's a, a fascinating feature of humans is that when you know someone – they can break rules like that, or, or if you wouldn't it not, be better not if everyone had that rule though? If everyone was like Michael, I I don't know is the thing. Like I I sometimes I envy him, and sometimes I, I see my way of being as clearly superior. So <laughs> well, I think this goes back. To what I, we I don't were know about the beginning too. Is that when you when you know someone well, you don't need these these cultural rules. Culture is there for the people that you don't know that well, and that that I think that applies yeah, to culture. But Michael got that reputation by being like that all the time, even with exactly. right. And I bet know. if you talk to yeah. him, you know he would he would have lots of opinions on how the culture reacts to that. Yeah, he he, he does, and, and and I mean, I I think I think if I don't I don't know if he'd use the word ask culture. I, I'm sure he wouldn't because he's just always been like this. But he definitely would be like, why would I pretend otherwise? It would be a huge waste right. of and my I time. And I say, I wish um, I lived in a culture where everybody acted like that. And people were expected to act like that. And I, I wish I lived in that culture, too. <laughs> well, right. interesting. I never actually considered that. Uh, I will say that of the few friends that I have like that, well, I guess there's only one friend that comes to mind that's like that. I respect the hell out of him like he is one of the people i most respect and i wish i could be like him because he just doesn't do things if he doesn't want to and you know is upfront and honest about stuff and like i don't know it he thinks he's an asshole and sometimes he gets like called an asshole but he's a lovable asshole like people like him i think there's definitely a way to do it without being an asshole uh i, I think he pulls it and off and I, I think that would also like being like your friend um, that's kind of my recommendation for how you can start to try like introduce ask culture more into the wider world around you. Like I kind of do that at work sometimes where I will, or at social events with people I don't know, where I will tell people, 
I am on the spectrum. I have a hard time with expressions and body language and tone of voice. So like, I might ask more questions or you might have to explain stuff more to me. Yeah. Uh, One of the ways I try to spread ass culture is when I hear a story like that, I always defend that person. And I say, they're, they're just being honest with you. Don't you wish everyone was like that? You know. And, and on reflection, the nice thing is that when Michael does agree to be in your wedding, it means yeah. a lot more. Yeah. <laughs> um, I feel yeah, the that, same way about, um, what's the guy, the English guy from American Idol, Tyler Cohen? Stephen Cohen? Ty- no, Tyler, Tyler Cohen's, Cohen's an economist. What the hell am I thinking? Stephen Tyler? Yeah, yeah, yeah. From Aerosmith? Stephen Tyler, thank you. No, goddamn it! Not Stephen Tyler. Back when Are we was talking the mean British seasons. guy, Simon yeah, Cowell. Mean Simon guy. Cowell. Simon Cowell. Hey, I was close. <laughs> I loved Simon Cowell because everyone else on that show, like if they just said you did pretty good, that meant shit. Mm-hmm. You could have been the worst singer they've ever seen. They're like, yeah, you did okay. We'll get back to you. Every time he would always tell you if he thought you were shit. And so if he ever told you you did really good. That was like holy fuck. Yeah, everyone loved it. I must have done. But the thing about the thing about it being a spectrum is, you would not want to live in a society filled with Simon Cowles. Because he was also a jerk about it. Yeah, he was a real dick about it, and that's probably not escort guest culture. That's just him being a dick. I mean, like Chef Ramsay, I think (laughs) is the same way, where everyone kind of loves watching him get all mad and yell at people and tell them what what he really thinks, but like. See, I hate people who yell. There's yeah. no need to but I yell. Mean, but I, I think I would like being around Simon Cowell because he didn't yell. He was just. But truthful. Chef Ramsay, uh, I mean, there, there's these great videos of him teaching kids to cook, and he says, "I don't yell at kids," and it's just, he's not actually like that. That's his TV persona. But I get the feeling that oh. he is actually this like straightforward and honest person, but not in this like TV version asshole screaming at people and calling them names way. Yeah. Right. Yeah, that thing is like. Simon Cowell and, and uh, uh, Gordon Ramsay are both playing characters on TV. Like, I doubt when, when uh, Gordon Ramsay goes out to a restaurant when he's not being filmed that he would be like, this is dog shit or whatever, right? <laughs> Flips the table. Um, like, so I think it, it, I, I wouldn't even know how to model that person as a not TV person. Like, if he goes out to eat and the guy says, hey, I recognize you from your shows. You know, you're not on camera. What would you think of my food? Would he be nice? Would he be uh, harsh? I so I, I don't I don't I'm not trying to draw I try not to draw a lot from uh, from those people in particular um, like from from TV personalities right but I can sort of see the value of like I mean th- that's just part of um, this ties back into your radical honesty episode Jess and that's my thoughts basically um, you know if uh, if someone asks me for feedback on their their drawing or, or their music or their writing or something. I, my response would be like, I can't do any of those things. So you're way better than me. So you're not asking for me. You're not asking. I hate in that response. As like a, as a professional. What was <laughs> I, that? I actually hate when, cause I am a professional artist or, you know, I was, I, I hate when people are like, Oh, it's better than I could do. That's not an answer. <laughs> do you like well, it? No, no. So that, that was the first half. That was the first half of my answers. That, like, that's the thing is they're not asking me to be like, in your professional opinion, how is this? Um, I, I will, I will, they know to ask me in my, in the, in my capacity as someone who can't do any of that stuff. So I'll be like, it looks good. Or I can say, I can look at it and say, I can't tell what this is. Um, like, uh, who was I just talking with this, um, about, oh, I, was, I, I remember it was, uh, the artist Billie Eilish. She was on SNL 
um, as the musical guest and did this amazing uh, video sketch. Someone, if you want, just Google uh, Billie Eilish SNL. Uh, the music video was amazing, involved some amazing camera work, and uh, and uh, I don't want to spoil how it was done, but it's an optical illusion that, that lends itself to this really, really cool trick. Um, but I'm listening to this, watching it with Rachel, and I'm like, it sounds good. I can't make out a word she's saying. <laughs> she she is mumbling into that microphone. Like, I can, I, I if there's, like, so I can't tell if they're well-written lyrics or not. Um, I guess, how did this tie in? Oh, this is just me, like, trying to assess, like, my Gordon Ramsay-style approach to things. So, like, you want a good friend to say, if, like, if you, know, you showed me a short story, and you were like, what do you think? I would be, well, if there, if you're trying to communicate something beyond, like, the text, I'm not picking it up, but I also suck at this. You would know that asking me, so I could just say that, right? Um, mm. If you had said, hey, was the was the subtext of, I don't know, this this message, did that come through to you? I could say no, and I'm not sure if I'm higher or lower than the baseline reader, but if you're trying to communicate to idiots, it's probably not going to work because I didn't pick it up. Um, so because I'm an idiot at reading stuff, then yes, if you're trying to aim for that demographic, yeah, you need to dumb this down a bit. Um, <laughs> it would probably be that, that sort of thing. I feel like I, I had a way to bring this back, and I can't remember <laughs> what I was going for. It might have been the... Uh, if I try to drag this train back onto the tracks <laughs> i was looking at the line in the notes here about no mind reading required in ask culture and i i guess that's i can see where like if someone was giving you an explanation for something um you know a, a request to do whatever lunch and they said no sorry i brought my own um like that that's a a response that's a response that doesn't take a lot of mind reading to parse in either framework but um, I don't know if anyone's going to be able to pick I, up I, on I feel like, like if, like if uh, I'm going to try to take it in a direction and see if we get anywhere. Like if, if, my, if my oldest comes up to me with something she drew and she's like, do you like it? First of all, the honest answer is yes. Even if I can't tell what it is, I like it because I just do. Um, if she asks other questions, then I'm going to try to answer honestly but I'm not gonna be like, you know. Look, your pencil technique is, is terrible. This, you can't you can't tell where the shadow is coming from, um, and uh, and and these are unrealistic colors. Like like I'm not gonna say the things that would be some combination of hurtful and pointless. Um, I I might I might give like this the tiniest shred of feedback in a critical vein of of, of being like, um, you know, I, I probably wouldn't actually, I, I probably tend to just be like, Oh, I really like how you did the eyes on this one as a way of pointing out like the thing that she did the best. And then maybe she can internalize like, okay, I, I I'm doing good on the eyes, you know? Yeah. I don't see the, uh, but like, but this is all, this is all absolute mind reading and, and subtext awareness because when a child comes up to you with a drawing, the last thing they're wanting or expecting is, is detailed critical feedback yeah. <laughs> and, and if, i feel like yeah. that that relates probably less to this episode and more to the last episode um which is which was all about like when do you want to tell someone your actual true feelings um but again this is this is you know so your interactions with your daughter who, who I'm, I'm sure is one of the people closest to you in your entire life like asking guest culture or not have nothing to say about that that's someone um, that you have yeah. established mm -hmm. your own interaction style with. I have a counterexample. Uh, being a child who drew a lot, I 
you know, draw a bunch of comics or characters that were like, I don't know, various dragon things and try to show them to my parents. And they'd be like, oh, that's nice, honey. When I would ask them, <laughs> I actually wanted feedback. Yeah. I actually um, like wanted, wanted to like know that they had actually yeah. looked at it. <laughs> so yeah, what, what usually my, usually what I try to do is, um, is, is instead of saying that sucks, start over, I'll say like, yeah, you, you should practice drawing that thing yeah, more so that, so that you get really good at like it. That's like all the other good social skills. Like you can be, because you said my true on my true answer is like, do I like it? Yes. So you're you're not lying. Uh, I guess mm-hmm. kind of getting into the radical honesty thing too. But like, it's just I think it's not that hard to, or maybe it is. It's it's a skill, but I think it's an important skill. Being honest and straightforward while not being a dick. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So well, and yeah, like, and like the, like you had mentioned too, like the, the context surrounding this matters entirely. Like your daughter's seven. If she was seventeen and she was applying for art school. And she was like, Dad, I, I'm working on this. What do you think? Of, you know, I, can you give me some feedback? You would not hesitate to give her real feedback at that point, right? I have yeah. Guessing, right? Pro, 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 if, especially if she was trying yeah. to pin her, her academic aspirations on getting good at this, you wouldn't help her stay bad at it, right? Um, yeah, right. I mean, especially if it was genuinely bad or something like that, right? Um, yeah. And, yeah. And again, I just, I feel I like so. it's important to remember ask and guess culture really only replace relate to requests for things and refusals to give things um this is much more about should you be honest it's not about should she be asking for feedback or is it okay Mm. to refuse her request for feedback that's that's sort of what ask and guess culture deal with where it's it's the radical honesty i think is the idea that deals with like okay when you're communicating with someone how honest to do you want to be yeah i think there's like a whole bunch of social skills that I would like to bring into the rationalist community, like mm-hmm. not just this one. Kind of when we were talking about, I want to let, communicate more clearly or just here's here's some good communication norms. I would say radical honesty, uh, ask culture more, but nicely. And then also like <laughs> stuff I want to bring up in future episodes about the courage to be disliked, which yeah. kind of goes hand in hand with replacing guilt. So, so, so real quick, I'd like to talk, uh, about some of the failure modes of guest culture. Um, cause I feel like this, this is somewhat explains why I prefer that, that our cult, our subcultures and, and society in general move a little bit more towards ass culture. Um, because I think these, I, I experience all of these. Uh, and the first one is that getting punished for not picking up on subtext, which like I said, I'm on the spectrum. Um, so I'm particularly bad at this, but I, I feel like everyone I talk to has experienced this at some point um, where somebody's putting down subtext, you're not picking up on it, and, and suddenly you're the asshole. Mm-hmm. Um, another, another failure mode of guest culture is you get in a situation where neither party knows what the other wants. And there's a really good example of this from Star Trek The Next Generation. There's a an episode where Picard and Dr. Crusher um, get something happens to them and they can read each other's minds and they both realize that they've been having breakfast with each other and they've been having these sort of lavish breakfasts with rich uh big meals fancy meals and both of them realize that what the other wants is just coffee and croissant (laughs) but neither of them would say so because it's and is that because they were i'm sorry because it they thought that's what the right. other person and wanted. And it's you don't in a guest culture you don't say 
I'd prefer, you know, something else, unless you're pretty sure that's what the other person wants, too, because you know that they, if you say that, they won't be able to say no. They'll say, oh, well, of course, we'll do what you want to do. Mm-hmm. And I've certainly been in that situation before um, in, in a lot of social interactions, including dating, um, but other, you know, just kind of friendship stuff where nobody really knows what the other wants to do. Um, I think that's a lot of that is why it's hard to make friends. Because it's hard to just go up to someone and say, hey, I'd like to be friends with you. Or, hey, do you want to hang out sometime? Because that in this culture where people are expected to say to not say no to that sort of thing, um, you're kind of putting them on the spot and putting pressure on them to say yes. That's that's I mean, I think that's really interesting. Um, I think that has a lot to do with like what I would call just personal courage rather than necessarily this cultural dichotomy like the 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 fear that that you're going to say something that's going to hurt that person's feelings or hurt your own feelings or both is is often what keeps you from saying something it's not it's not just kind of a blanket feeling that you're not allowed to ask for things that certainly happens too um, yeah but how much courage something takes depends in large part by how much backlash you think you're going to get like for the the breakfast example, probably someone should have said something at some point. But um, more to the point, back like in high school, if you make a wrong guess about how you can ask out, who you can ask out, that can have, or or any sort of social thing really, that can have huge repercussions where you experience massive backlash because apparently you asking someone had all these other implications. And and in a guest culture, you don't necessarily know how bad the repercussions are going yeah. to well, be. Well, just to defend Matt's point a little bit, there are two two separate parts of that. Uh, one of which is the actual pain of realizing the other person doesn't want to hang out with you. And that's a lot of what scares right. people in that situation. And that's going to be even worse in an S culture. Um, but I think there is a definite other part of that where in a culture it's weird to ask for things that you haven't gotten any signals from the other person that they want to give you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I know people who are so concerned about maintaining that plausible deniability. Like, I think that's actually where the nice guy, capital N, capital G thing comes from. Someone's yeah. like, this has happened to me so many times because I'm bad at reading signals where someone is into me and they'll like ask if I want to go see a movie. They'll ask if I want to go skateboarding. And here I am like an idiot. Like, oh, yeah, I love skateboarding. Let's cool, I enjoy this friendship a lot. And they're just doing the nice guy thing until suddenly they just explode and they're like, I've been giving you so many signals, how dare you reject me? And I'm like, oh, what? <laughs> so there's a failure mode. Because they thought the whole time you were reciprocating with the signals. Yeah, no, I, and I was just like, yeah, no, I, I, yeah, like, I love coffee. <laughs> right, because you were in two different cultures. Oh, God. And, uh, yeah, and in know. an S culture, you don't, you know, the, the subtext isn't there. And that wouldn't be a problem. So, so, so you don't end up getting punished for not picking up on it. But I, I know so many yeah. people that are nice guys about lots of things, and it, I, I'm just kind of mm. sad for them. Like, they're just afraid to state their opinions about stuff or ask for anything, and I, having had social anxiety, can relate a lot. It was, like, such a relief to me to start doing the, and you talked about courage. This is kind of what the courage to be disliked mm-hmm. is all about realize that actually it's okay if people are confused by what you do or don't like it you can't make everybody happy and it's 
the best for everybody yeah, to just live honestly. And what, well, one of the advantages of ass culture is, or of, of guest, one of the advantages of guest culture is that it does kind of protect your pride that way. You can maintain this plausible deniability and hint at things, and you don't have to get this crushing rejection. Um, but this is another double-edged sword, and, and, and I prefer the other side, where, you know, you get training at experiencing rejection. So yeah. it, it feels yeah. okay. Like, I, when yeah. I started doing the thing of actually just telling people when I'm attracted to them, I got so many more hits. Like, I got a, a bunch more rejections, too, but they didn't actually matter because it's like, I've been through a bunch. It's not the end of the world. And actually, it's not as big a deal as you think it is. You're like, oh, my God, this is so embarrassing. It's the worst thing that's ever happened. You're like, actually, like, probably this person was just, like, a little bit upset about it and maybe a little weirded out. But they'll forget about it by the end of the night. <laughs> and nobody else cares. <laughs> Spotlight yeah. bias thing. Yeah. You, you have listed here in your cons about uh, guest culture that it encourages dishonesty. Yeah. Which to me is like a huge con because I'm very against dishonesty. But can you explain what you mean by encourages yeah, dishonesty? Yeah, it encourages people yeah. to make up excuses instead of giving a direct no. Um, yeah, like so, I have a headache. Yeah, Matt and his fake migraines. Real <laughs> <laughs> <Feel> attack. <laughs> uh, where it, huh. it encourages yeah, so, you not to give your true rejection. I I so I can relate to that a bit. Like if someone asked to stay over at my house and like the real reason is like, I really don't want the imposition of another person in my home. Like there are very few people I could say that to. Um, yeah. But I mean, that's also a pretty huge ask. What were you going to say, Matt? Sorry. Um, I, I was going to just, well, first of all, I was going to say I'm a bit surprised at how like much I've shifted my position over the course of this conversation. Um, Cause I was expecting to just be like, no, this is stupid. <laughs> um, Updating. But actually, actually, it seems like what what I now kind of have come to realize is like it's more like learning another tool. Because like, um, Jess, I, I would be interested to hear about the courage to be disliked thing. But also I was wondering, you know, if you guys are, know about like the nonviolent communication mm -hmm. um, literature. I'm somewhat familiar. In concept in general. I haven't read it, but I, I'm aware of just, it. Very, very briefly for the listeners, it's it's just this this idea where like especially in situations where emotions are going to be riding high, then you then it's a particular way of speaking where you are framing things in, in such a way that you're taking responsibility for your own reactions and and your and, and emotions, and you are very you're like every time the other person says something, you recapitulate what they said back to them and say in your own words is, is this what you think is is this this is what i think you're saying am i correct and then give them the chance to say yes or, or no and then clarify and it's 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 actually sort of like horribly laborious and um time intensive you get better at it but like it, it becomes it, it, natural sound, yeah and and but like the thing is like i can totally see it's never actually worked for me, frankly, but I've never uh, had many opportunities to try it out. But the point is, I can totally see situations where that would be something that would, that would be really good to know. But I would never employ that in situations where I didn't, like where it wasn't expected, I've, right? I've done it in, I mean, um, my, like a couple of my family members have borderline. One of my partners does, one of my previous partners did. Uh, it's really useful for... Uh, just, I think it's the most or one of the most useful tools for conflict de-escalation. Where, mm -hmm. but I actually like really try to frame almost everything I say in terms of I statements because 
I never like to assume the intentions of another person. Like it's a, when you do this, it makes me feel this. Um, Or like, I'm feeling this way when uh, about this thing that happened, not you always do this. You never do that. Like you, you tried to hurt me when you said this thing. And it's like, I don't know that like, uh, yeah. And sure. it's uh, well, I, so I think it's interesting you you described it as a, a sort of a tool you can use because I think it's it's kind of similar to Crocker's rules in that respect, um, mm-hmm. where you can kind of put that banner and and I know our, our friend Gray has that up on his uh, Discord name, is that Crocker's rules in effect so people know that and I, I think ass culture mm-hmm. is is pretty similar to that and um, if there's a good way to signal that that would be good. I liked yeah. Crocker's rules when I first read about it. So the, the, the idea is that you just declare yourself saying, look, I am uh, announcing that I am open to honest and direct conversation and feedback. You don't have to like be delicate on behalf of pre- presuming my feelings. And part of doing part, part of making that, making that declaration is saying that like, I also won't be hurt needlessly by what you're saying. That's not like an entitled, like an open invitation for someone to be a dick to you, but it's saying, you know, don't, don't hold back for the sake of niceness. Um, let's let's save some communication time here, um, and that that's actually something I would ask about. You've got communication is less efficient as a con of ask culture, and I think I would see. I get, maybe do you mean communication be less efficient as in like it's longer? Yes. Or like less the, e- I just mean there's there's less okay. subtext. So in a guest culture, there's more subtext, so you can say more with less. Yeah, you're assuming a lot instead of checking. Well. Yeah, I guess. And that, uh, okay, yeah. So it's more efficient in that like message length is yeah. shorter, but and that's, um, it's it's less efficient in that you might be communicating things that you're not meaning to communicate, or vice versa, failing to communicate things that you intended intended yeah. to. Communicate. Well, I think message length is is pretty important. Um, like I think we all kind of rejected tell culture because message length was just too long, too large, and it's cumbersome, and people don't want to do it. So I think it is kind of important to keep your your message length as your, as if efficient as possible. Um, while still getting the results you want. So I feel like that is a, a big um, advantage of guest culture in that it does make your communication more efficient. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe I'm just, I think I have so little uh, aptitude, well, uh, patience maybe is the word for these sorts of things. Like it, de- it depends on like, you know, how much energy or whatever I have at the time and that sort of thing. But I, I, I mean, it's interesting dynamic at work where my previous coworker is going to be my manager in like the next few weeks, like my direct manager who like the one who like gives me feedback on like promotions mm-hmm. and this sort of thing. Um, and we didn't know that for the first six months of knowing each other. And then we have known that for the last couple of months. And so it's, it's made conversations, uh, especially about things not work sort of interesting because we, I don't think we align politically um and now we both know that about each other which is not a good thing to know for you to know about your subordinate if you're a manager if you're not capable of of drawing a line there i bet he'll be fine but that could be awkward but there was a thing a couple of weeks ago most of our work is remote and he had asked something over slack like hey uh is this doable or something and i i was the first to say honestly i doubt it i don't think we could get this successfully out by monday and then someone else uh on this very small team backed me up and then he was like, okay, well, I, I, I asked because we basically need people to move off of this and start on this. And I was like, oh, if this is not a check-in but a boss mandate, then you got it, boss. We'll make <laughs> we'll, we'll do this. And 
he messaged me privately because uh, this is like in a group chat. And then he was like, was was I being like a dick? Was I coming off the wrong way? And I was like, no, no, no. I, I, I just didn't know what uh, what hat you were wearing when you made the initial uh, like inquiry slash request. Um, and I think that that's part of the like we keep coming back to this, but you're not really sure where you're at uh, with each interaction unless you're with like a close friend that you have established rules with already. Um, and, and it's, so there, there's going to be some level of mind, maybe not mind reading involved, but some level of having to read the room. Uh, you know, again, unless everyone walks in wearing shirts that says ask culture, um, they're still going to have to try to, to ascertain what, what kind of conversation you're having. Right. Um, thinking about it, I think that the efficiency drawback kind of cuts both ways too, because definitely going further and expanding on what you mean by what you say and like framing it this way. Um, yeah, that takes a while, but then also like there's a lot of bullshit that you cut through too, by being able to just say directly what you mean instead of having to dance around it. So sometimes one or the other yeah, that's can, can be more, uh, it's certainly less lengthy. efficient if you're in the, uh, you have to refuse three times culture. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But um, I think I find myself kind of fluctuating in a lot of my relationships, like my social interactions between the different modes, like especially with when you're with partners or people you're more comfortable with, you can uh, switch into guest culture for the efficiency, but then you can check in occasionally be like, oh, I, I just I noticed that you got quiet is something. Are you upset by something that I said or something bothering you? Yeah, but like so I can often tell someone is more into ass culture when they when i'm communicating with them and this is something people sometimes do and i really appreciate it is they they sort of take the subtext of what they're saying and make it text Mm -hmm. um they say you know hey do you want to go out on tuesday um you know i'm not asking you out on a date or anything i just thought uh we could hang out or like if they're like no i am asking you out on a date um and i'd like (laughs) to know if you'd want to go on a date or hey can you do me this favor but it's totally cool if you can't i completely understand it's a big ask you know mm-hmm. and i when somebody somebody is interacts with me that way i can i can tell like okay this is a person i could be more asky with yeah that facilitates conversation like mm-hmm. uh and com- communication so well i think yeah i've got to just interject really quick to say that we have a hard stop time of five minutes from now <laughs> so if anyone has any any wrap-up thoughts or anything um there's a lot more that we could touch on, especially in this nice uh, um, document that you put together, Wes, but I don't think I have time to ask any more questions, but I, I needed to raise that flag and I guess waste as much time as possible <laughs> five minutes left, so closer to four minutes. Yeah, I, I, I guess I like my closing remark would be like, I think interestingly, I've sort of personally come around over the course of the conversation that I might try being slightly more ASCII personally, but I am nonetheless not persuaded that we should say and therefore we should try to make everybody in our community behave this way yeah that's that that's i don't think that's what i was what i would have said either i don't think that i want to steamroll anybody and be like this is what the way we're doing things now yeah and i guess my my closing thought is that if anyone has any ideas about how to move from a more gassy culture to a more ascii culture um I would, I would be happy to hear it because it it seems very difficult to me 
Um, because like I was saying before, you can't, you can't do ass culture in a guest culture. You will, you will violate people's consent. You will steamroll them. Um, and you will just get a reputation for being an asshole. So I don't, I don't really know how one would do a transition. And so far I've only really been doing it with other people who are sort of already on board and I can identify that. I would, I wouldn't know how to show a few whole, small, uh, like a subculture in that direction. Yeah, no. I think you would have to start at least a little bit on an individual level, just getting people a little more accustomed to saying no. And I don't know, it sounded like the cuddle parties, probably not a thing for most people, but it seems like some sort of practice like that would probably yeah. help. Crossing boundaries in a, in a more uh, low, low stakes way mm. to yeah. practice. Yeah. I did an exercise with uh, some of my partners where, they would make ridiculous like requests of me and then I would have to say no. <laughs> but it was like, like, Hey Jess, do you want to like go dance outside naked in the rain with me? <laughs> so it's like, <laughs> cause I, I actually like wanted more practice being assertive at saying no. And that was fun. I, it's a fun exercise. I can get behind that as a rationalist <laughs> yeah. exercise. I would, yeah. I think that'd be cool. <laughs> All right. Um, I think I've got to go now. Um, but Listen to uh, the new Kingslingers podcast where me and Scott discuss the works of, of Stephen King's Dark Tower. On the Excellent. awesome Doof Media Network that includes uh, Doofcast and We Want Ward and uh, what's this other one? Oh, We've Got More or We Want More. We uh, Want oh, More. That's a new one. Yeah. Well, Stephen, why don't you tell I, everybody about that I've heard good things. <laughs> yeah. um, well, I guess briefly because I'll wrap it up in the next 20 seconds. Uh, I think we, we took took some time finding our sea legs. We didn't start off with the with the benefit of being of having a lot of rapport like Matt and Scott did. And um, I I am of the opinion of the very objective opinion, dare I say, that we have gotten better in the last few episodes. So if you found that like oh you know what I gave it three or four and this wasn't for me, I think our last episode is the best, and I'm I'm thinking they're going to keep staying good um, and maybe hopefully getting better. So I'm having fun with it. I've been enjoying um, them the whole check time. Check that out. Mm-hmm. Me too. I appreciate yeah. it. And while I've got you, Wes, I've got to say two things. One, we've talked a lot in Discord, and it's great <laughs> to talk to you, I guess, not in person, but but in voice. And you've got this, like, wonderfully smooth cadence, and it I, took me a while to place it. Like like Paul Bloom, <laughs> um, the uh, the psychologist who's on Sam Harris's podcast once in a while, you, I, I was like, oh, who does this guy you. sound like? And it's it's Paul Paul Bloom, the Yale I appreciate that. So. I, I tend to, like, cringe when I hear myself recorded. Aww. So uh, I appreciate the compliment. Almost oh, yeah. all humans seem to. It, it takes a while to get used to hearing your own voice, not filtered through your yeah. phones. Yeah, true. I just learned to, to eventually grip my teeth and be like, well, this is what I sound like. So, anyway. <laughs> uh, I guess that's me. <laughs> all right, cool. <laughs> awesome. Well, this was a really good time. Um, Jess, did you think of Patreon last time? Um, Yeah, it was. I okay. I tell you what, I'll just read this one that I know hasn't been read yet. I'm going to say... Big shout out to The Ego's Last Stand. That's their Reddit handle. They want to get read instead of their name. And thanks for supporting the Bayesian Conspiracy. The, the Bayesian Conspiracy, it means a ton. And I can tell from your username that you're clearly a super awesome dude. So thanks a lot. Thank you. Oh, uh, I mean, Matt probably has to go. So uh, I, I want to say like one quick thing. But if Matt, you want to go now, feel free to run. Uh, just go ahead and I'll disappear if I need to. Okay, great. Um, I just had like one piece of, I, we're not going to drag this on any longer, but I did promise the people in the Discord that I would 
take this piece of user feedback on the next recorded episode and just put it out there. So someone said that they were very disappointed that we had uh, walked back our position on punching Nazis recently. And I just, I wrote back saying, I don't know, I didn't walk back my position. I just didn't have anything to say on the matter because, you know, it was the same thing it was before. And they were like, oh, okay, that's great. Can you mention that? And I'm like, yeah, okay, sure. So, yes, I I still feel the same way I felt before about punching Wait, Nazis. Wait, when did that come up? Uh, a couple of weeks ago, I think. Huh. Oh, when did it was said in the yeah, podcast? Like, what's the context? I don't know. I think a couple months ago or something, Stephen said that he was less um, anti-punching Nazis than he had huh. been in the I past. I remember that. I remember saying that. I I think it's less that I'm I'm more. It's not that I'm more pro punching people. It's that I'm, <laughs> I I more clearly now see where the people who want to punch people are coming from. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I don't know exactly where that puts me. If, if being more understanding of the opposition is uh, is a bad thing, uh, then I don't want to be. And that's right. not what we're right. about in this community. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, this is a really good time. I really appreciate, uh, especially Wes and Matt, for for joining in. Um, this is fun, and uh, now that we know we can do these remotely seamlessly, well, I guess we won't know until it's, until we get it all together and shipped out. But if this does work out, then this opens up uh, some some smooth avenues for more. Uh, kind of collaborative episodes like this. So. All right. Well, thanks for thanks for having thanks, me. Thanks, everybody. On. This is a great time. Yeah, this was yeah. very good. Thanks. Yeah, thank you all. Okay. Good night. All right. Great. Good night. Good night, all everybody. Right. And signing off.